You're listening to the One Man Show Network. Welcome to the Aaron Says What Podcast with your host, Aaron Weinbaum. I'm here again with Vinny Tordridge, celebrity fitness trainer, the godfather of No Sugar, No Grains, author of one of my favorite books, Fitness Confidential, host of the popular podcast, Fitness Confidential, motivational speaker, cancer survivor, creator of Pure Vitamin Club, and now it looks like there is a course you can enroll in to learn about NSNG. Good God, what am I missing? Uh, Pure Coffee Club. Pure Coffee Club. That's right. I now have Pure Coffee Club coming out. Uh, how, how, when, when will this show come out? Aaron? This will be out probably uh, next Wednesday. Uh, yeah, within uh, five or six weeks, uh, we have uh, introducing Pure Coffee Club coming right out. That's amazing. I... Yeah. If you would have told me that um, I would have had an online business of any sort uh, five years ago, I would have told you you were crazy. Wow. And uh, that's amazing because, you know, I, I've been taking the vitamins for a while now, um, been following NSNG pretty strictly for it's going to be two years this October. So uh, I, I can't tell you. First of all, I hate I missed you in Kansas City. I literally live about three and a half hours from there. Um, you, you had what was called an NSNG meetup from your Facebook group. You want to tell me just a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I had nothing to do with it. Um, I had heard that, you know, they, they, these things crop up around the country. Uh, NSNG for your fans is a brand that's owned by me. Um, it means no sugars, no grains. And, uh, I own the trademark on that and everything around it. And there's, uh, as you know, Aaron, there's a big group on Facebook called the Vinnie Tortorich's No Sugars, No Grains group that I think has, 20,000 people in it or thereabouts 20,000. And, um, I don't own that group. It's got my name on it, but I, I'm a member just like you or anyone else in that group. And, uh, they, they get together. There's a, there's an NSNG singles group. I understand now. Oh, wow. And these people go and they meet, you know, all over the place. And every now and then a big one will crop up where, you know, 50 some odd people might show up and this particular one was in kansas city missouri and um i knew that the beauchamps were putting it on lonnie and trey these are two guys who are just super fans of what we do so i looked around and went hey i'm gonna show up i i had an off weekend usually i travel every weekend either doing talks or speeches or motivational speeches or what have you <clears throat> sometimes comedy clubs but I had this particular weekend open. And I, instead of sitting home, I said, well, I will go to Kansas City, Missouri and <laughs> go meet these people. And I asked Lonnie to keep it a secret. So no one knew that I was coming. Uh, Andy Schreiber, my my um, good friend and the guy who runs Pure Vitamin Club, came too. Because now Andy's a big deal. I don't know if you know that. I know that. I do know that. <laughs> I, I listen to you guys uh, every Wednesday. You, you know, it's amazing because I, I, I'm, I don't see myself as a big deal at all. 
And, uh, you know, I'll walk into, like, I walked into this uh, place to, you know, uh, to, to look at some guns one day. I, I'm a gun enthusiast. And um, th- this guy from the other side of the counter started looking at me. I'm like, what's this guy eyeing me up for? What's the deal here? And he came over after a while and he introduced himself as Mike. And he goes, hey, man, I'm a big fan. And I said, how did you even recognize me? Because I'm not a recognizable <laughs> guy, right? I just look like a regular guy walking in. And he said, oh, I heard your voice. And you forget that when you do 900 plus podcasts that, you know, you have, now we have close to a million people listening wow. per month, uh, a million downloads. So that's not a million people. That's fantastic. People will recognize your voice when you walk in. He recognized my voice. The same thing happens to Andy because Andy's a 60 year old Jew, you know, who's gone through life with complete anonymity. And now people will go, oh, my God, you're Andy just from him saying something, you know, which is weird for us because we're not we're not real. I call us E-list celebrities. We're not we're not like how I have celebrity friends, Howie Mandel. You know, uh, Adam Carolla, you know, these people, they're real celebrities, right? They get recognized when they walk in. We only get recognized when we open our mouths. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to inflate you just a little bit here because I, uh, I've documented this on the podcast before, but I had an injury, you know, just a lingering injury in my neck for years. And it got to the point where I was immobile. Um, you know, I couldn't tie my shoe. I couldn't turn my head. It was just awful. And uh, I ended up getting surgery. Well, you know, that's a recovery in and of itself. And I used to be pretty active guy. I'd, I'd run a lot, go to the gym all the time. I'd eat fairly healthy. Well, in a blink of an eye, even the healthiest guy can lose a little bit of control. You don't exercise as much. You just let your diet slip a little bit. And boom, 40 pounds later, I'm on blood pressure medicine. I'm recovering from a neck surgery. And I, I, I couldn't really do much. I, I'd start trying to get into working out, but then I'd be down for several days with ice. So finally, I'm thinking to myself, what can I do? I, I have to do something. I, I don't like the way I look. I looked horrendous in these family pictures. Here I am standing next to my hot wife and beautiful kids. And, I, you know, I just look like just that tired, out of shape, like I'm breathing heavy, carrying my kid in a family picture. And uh, I just happened to be on a walk. I'm like, what, you know, what do old people do? They walk. So I started walking a few miles, then eight miles. And I, I, I love listening to podcasts. I was listening to Adam and Drew. And here you are. I'd never heard of you up until that day. You start talking about no sugar, no grain. I'm like, well, that's easy. That's just about as simple as you can get. And you talked about riding a bike. And I'm like, I can do that too. And my life has not been the same since. You know, I, I, I dropped that weight. Uh, it seemed very quickly. I got into shape very quickly. I'm now off all blood pressure medicine. I don't take, I uh, used to have to take like a Pepsid before bed. I, I don't do any of that stuff. I, I wish I had documented everything that happened along the way from my skin tone changing, my health changing, my life changing. I don't need to sleep as much. So hopefully that inflates you just a little bit. Well, it, I, I love hearing it. And boy, does it make me feel good when I hear it? Um, because Aaron, I didn't want to do any of this. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I, I was literally, I had too much to drink one night. Uh, and I, I was with my buddy, Dean Laurie, 
uh, who's a, 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 a Dean's a uh, you know producer writer here in Hollywood, pretty successful guy. And it was during the the, the downtime of you know we were going through a writer strike and all this kind of stuff. And Dean kept saying to me, "You need to write a book. You just need to write a book, right?" And I kept saying, I, I, "Why do I need to write a book? I, I don't want to write a book, <laughs> right?" And he, he kept saying to me, why don't you want to write a book? And I kept saying, well, because it doesn't, uh, what's, you know, what am I going to say that hasn't been said and the, and the whole thing. And one, one night we were having our scotch and, and we would, we would literally eat fish at this fish restaurant and drink scotch. And he said to me, he goes, look, um, here's the deal. Um, I want you to go home and read kitchen confidential. And I said, why? He goes, because then you'll realize why you need to write a book. And I said, I, I'm not going to do it. And, and he, I, my inhibitions were down just enough, I guess, that I came home, I had a little liquor in me, and I went and bought the book that night on Kindle and got the book and started reading you know, immediately. And I realized within the first two chapters what Dean wanted me to do. And, um, I, I didn't really want to do it, but I was kind of forced into doing this, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad I did now because when I hear stories, when I hear stories like your story, right, it makes me realize, oh, wow, there's a lot of people like that because hundreds of thousands of people have read this stupid book now, my book. And you know it's changed their life, and and when I hear that, I go, holy shit! Had I not had too much to drink that night, had I not bought, you know, Kitchen Confidential, had I not sat down the next day and started writing notes for my own book, like all of this happened right away. I, I'm not a guy that likes to sit around and go, yeah, I'm gonna write a book. Okay, next month I'll get started. I sat down that day with a yellow notepad and started writing notes. Wow. Did I go off the page here? Because it relates to what you're talking about. No, not at all, man. This is this is exactly the kind of stuff uh, I wanted you to talk about. And I read your book. I loved your book. Don't think it's a how-to uh, and it's going to plan your meals for you. But I will tell you this. It will motivate you. It will keep you on the path of NSNG. And it is just a really interesting read, you know, from where you started in the Catholic school and, you know, getting to where you are now. Yeah, it, 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 you're right about that. And it is, and it was. And I wouldn't have ever guessed, um, that, you know, just putting my life out there and what happened to me, you know, in those Catholic school years and how much I detest religion and putting that into a book. You know, I see that all the time when people write reviews of the book. They'll go, don't expect this to be a how-to. Right. And it, it was never meant to be a how-to. A, a how-to is why no one's ever lost weight. <laughs> y- you know, I, I wanted to write something different where people can go, oh, wait, this this is something. This is something we can get behind. This is something we can do. Right? Yeah. And and, uh, and it, I think it's worked out. <laughs> well, it's worked out for me. I, I would hope it worked out for you. I mean – you know, and the amazing thing is, I'll, I'll give Anna Pacino a plug here too. Now, there is a What Can You Eat book out there called Eat Happy. And, you know, my wife doesn't have to ask me anymore, you know, when she's making it, can you eat this? Can you eat that? 
I'm like, just just make something out of the book, and I can eat it. I promise. It, it, it's all good. Yeah, you know, and, and it, that's a, a really funny, weird thing because, you know, the whole, you know, Anna saw that my book was selling like hotcakes. By the way, folks, don't eat hotcakes. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, and I kept saying, Anna, you know how to cook. You know how to do this. You know, you have this big, you know, Anna's my co-host for people who don't know who she is. Uh, you have this big audience now. I have this platform that you're part of. You, you know, you know how to cook. You're always telling people how to make recipes. Let's just put those recipes out there in your book. And it took her forever to do it because she wanted to do it right. She wanted to test every recipe and make sure it all worked. Yeah. Unlike a lot of these, you know, even like Martha Stewart will put books out there and people will go, this recipe didn't work. It's because they're putting crap out there so fast that mm -hmm. they're not even testing the recipes. Anna literally came up with these recipes and tested them all herself. The book, by the way, folks, is called Eat Happy. Go get it. It's it's really a great book. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's sharing the same kind of success that my book, uh, Fitness Confidential, has has garnered, you know, on the Internet. So go check that out. Now the 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 amazing thing about both books are the reviews, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think my book has, I don't know, fourteen or fifteen hundred reviews or something like that. It's amazing. And you know, look, I mean, it, you look at best-selling books, you know, like right. uh, best-seller, they'll have like eighty-five reviews, right? So how much of a bestseller was it? You know, when people people don't realize that when when you talk about bestsellers, it's literally your book can become a bestseller because it was a, it was released in New York mm -hmm. on a week when nothing else good was released and you sold 2000 copies and you made the bestseller less. That's all that means. You know, those books die in real life. Um my buddy Adam, uh, Adam uh, Howie Mandel wrote a book uh, called "Here's the Deal: Don't Touch Me," <laughs> and it made the New York Times bestseller list because it sold six thousand books in the first week or two, and then it didn't sell any because the book companies move on. Right. It didn't sell many books after that. The book might by now have sold ten thousand. I mean, you've never even heard of that book, right? No. Catch the right. title though. So. It's on the bestseller list and, you know, out of everything and Howie's a great guy and Howie has made gazillions of dollars doing everything else. But guess what? He didn't make it on that book because yeah. the book didn't really sell that many. And then you have a book like mine that goes north of 100,000 copies and is not on the New York Times bestseller list. It's an Amazon bestseller because right. Amazon keeps selling it, you know, and, and it was never reviewed by the – so it, it lets you realize how – backwards all of that is that that is amazing you know you think yeah i never do that about bestsellers you think bestseller i'm like wow this must be selling just hundreds of thousands of copies this guy's making a million dollars you know so that's right. so that's some really good insight there um now i mean you're into everything but it's you're into everything i i feel like you're just trying to help people not put absolute shit in their bodies and and that is included with your uh your pure vitamin club, which I don't think we talked about the last time you were on here. Yeah. You know, um, vitamins are something I've been touting for years and I've always believed in taking vitamins and, and, and this sort of thing. And 
you know, it was it wasn't until after my own cancer scare um, where I started looking at everything because I'm looking around going, okay, I'm the, the original guy that started working out when I was literally eight years old before it was a thing. We're talking 1970, literally the year 1970. <laughs> and, you know, if, I shouldn't be sick. I, I eat a great diet. I do everything right. All of a sudden, you know, I'm almost dead of cancer. So I, I start looking at everything I was doing. And one of the things I looked at was vitamins, right? So I'm looking at my vitamins going, wait a minute. You know, the, the one thing that kept coming up was titanium dioxide. So I started looking on the internet because it's easy to search every company and to see what they're putting out there. And it looked like every company was adding magnesium stearate, which kind of flew under my radar because it said magnesium. It's got to be good for you. Right? It says magnesium. But titanium dioxide, I was like, why is everyone adding this to every, you know, supplement out there? So then I did a little research and I learned two key factors. Number one, titanium dioxide is only added to whiten whatever the color of the supplement is. And then they can either leave it white or then add another color to make you think that a vitamin is supposed to look a certain color. So it's only there for aesthetics. That was number one, which I thought was very odd. Right. Number two was way more important that even in nanoparticles, um, titanium dioxide can cause colon cancer. And, uh, you know, it's always found at the scene of the crime when it comes to colon cancer. Right. So right. I was, I was sitting there going, my God, the one thing I'm taking to help me is possibly killing me. Right. So I started looking around going, I wonder if I can make a vitamin without titanium dioxide. And I got in touch with a few companies and they said, yeah, we could do that. We can, we, we will make it for you without titanium dioxide. You know, we can do that. And then I started looking at magnesium stearate and going, why is this in there? And well, it's in there as an excipient, a flow agent so that they can make these vitamins faster. Because time is always money. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, well, magnesium stearate, could it possibly be bad for you? And yes, it is. Not only is it bad for you, but it can block the absorption of other nutrients in your liver. Uh, so the one thing you're taking, the nutrient that you're taking to make you better, you have something in that nutrient that's blocking it from making you better. That's why when you take their vitamins, your, your P turns fluorescent like yellow or green or right. whatever, right? Just like a real, because it's literally the magnesium steroids carrying out any nutrients that you could have gotten, just taking them right out. See, I used to think right? that, I used to think when you peed fluorescent, that meant the vitamin was doing something for you. I guess it's not. <laughs> it's the it, it means that the vitamin was leaving your body without being absorbed in your blood. Gotcha. So that's how I, you know, Started look, I started looking at everything in the vitamins, and then I tried to get them made, and literally nobody wanted to do them. Wow. It, it was impossible to get them done. Um, but we finally figured out a way to do it to where I could get my cake and eat it, and we did that. And uh, we literally, purevitaminclub.com, long story even longer, we, uh, we made the world's best vitamin just by sticking to our guns. 
Wow. I will, uh, that's amazing. I mean, you, you don't realize, I grew up thinking Flintstone vitamins were good for you, you know, and, uh, they tasted like candy. And I guess there's a reason for that because they might as well be candy, right? They, they are candy. <laughs> Two ways about it. Um, you wanted yeah, like they're more full than of, one. They're full of sugar. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Now, um, uh, we talked about this on your podcast, but another, uh, positive of me, uh, adapting this lifestyle and not being able to really do any hard running or any of that anymore is that, uh, I, I started riding a bike. I'm decent right. at it, you know, and I do it several times a week, several hours a week. Oh, and I, I, I meant to mention this on your podcast as well. So this is getting off this tangent. I just thought of it, but my, I had a doctor try to put me on a statin for God's sakes, because, uh, I had cer- certain cholesterol levels were, uh, out of whack, as he said. And this is what drives me crazy. It's it's like, hey, let's retest you to make sure none of that, you know. And it's let's schedule you another appointment in six months to make sure that you're not having liver damage due to the statin. And I'm finally on the phone with the nurse. I'm like, but I'm just gonna stop you right there. I'm not doing it. Oh, she's like, oh, okay. Well, don't eat fried foods and and make sure you start exercising. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's that. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, look, I, I'm not a doctor, and I can't I know, tell people whether they should take statins or not. But my understanding from all the doctors I've had on my show is that statins were made for a certain reason. If you had complete blockage, meaning calcium blockage, and they, they have to do a uh, a bypass, or if you've had stents put in or this sort of thing, well, now you're living a borrowed time. And these statins will help blood flow, right? Yeah. And that's what they were invented for, just for people who have had, you know, a real problem. Um, so that's what they were there. That's what they were meant to do. Right. They were never meant for lowering cholesterol. As a matter of fact, um, by lowering cholesterol, you're not lessening a chance of heart disease um, because cholesterol has as is turned out, something guys like me have been yelling about for years, cholesterol has absolutely nothing to do with heart disease. Um, yeah, they'll say, oh, well, you know, cholesterol went in and, and clogged up his arteries. No, plaque goes in and clogs up your artery, and plaque comes from inflammation and sugar and grains and everything else, the, the heart-healthy stuff that they told you to take. <clears throat> it doesn't come from, from uh, uh, um, cholesterol. Um, as a matter of fact, cholesterol can help clear some of that out. Now, there is a type of cholesterol that is bad for you. You know, the, the, the small dense particle sizes in the LDL, not the LDL itself. Mm-hmm. And statins have very little or nothing to do with that. Uh, taking trans fats has more to do with that. So there's really no need for the average person to be on a statin, yet doctors hand it out, like the aforementioned, you know, Flintstone vitamins. They just hand out statins, tell everyone to be on a statin, whether they never, whether they need to be on a statin or not. And the bottom line is, most people do not need to be on a statin. Right. Period. Well, you know, that's the long and the short of it. I just can't believe how quick I, I've heard you say this numerous times, and I've gone to many doctor visits, you know, and I and I've never had an issue with cholesterol, and it was just barely higher than it was last time, which kills me. But uh, it's to me how quickly they called me and said, you need to be on a statin. And I'm like, no, I don't. So there are good doctors out there, I, I think. I think you just have to find them. 
And I, I, I'm not a doctor either. So please don't take anything I say and, uh, and run with it without consulting a real doctor, please. But it, it's just crazy to me, but getting back off that. So I'm into the biking now and my son, my seven year old, at the time he was six, he's like, you know, I, I really want to buy a mountain bike. And he, he kind of went on about this for a while. And, you know, kids just say things, they have a little money in their pocket and they want to buy things. And, and then, you know, he's pretty persistent about it. I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's go to Walmart and we'll get you, we'll get you a good bike. And he's, and he looks at me, he's like, did you get your bike at Walmart? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's like, well, are they good at Walmart? Why didn't you get a bike at Walmart? And like, uh, I couldn't really answer. He goes, can we go where you got your bike? I'm like, sure. And, uh, lo and behold, he, he had a lot of cash in there. He dropped it down, bought a cherry red tri- trek and, uh, we never looked back and he, he's on that thing all the time. Yeah. I, you know, I love when kids get to anything, you know, whether it's cycling or anything else. I, I love when kids, you know, get into a sport. Um, mm-hmm. And cycling is as good as any, especially the off-road stuff where these kids can really hammer down on it and oh, do yeah. it. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him and I'm proud of him for, for doing that. Um, and, and knowing that he wanted one like daddy and not the one from Walmart. <laughs> oh, he was killing me. Uh, he's a very, uh, I don't know how to explain him. He's, he's kind of too smart for his own good, but not like Nobel Prize smart. Like I'm afraid he's going to, you know, figure out to build a bomb to destroy the world or something smart, you know, like Lex Luthor smart, but he's just, but he's a really good kid, man. He is, he just never stops asking questions. I have to carry my phone with me just so I can Google half of what he asks me. And, uh, but uh, he, he knew what he wanted, man. I mean, people don't give kids enough credit, you know, they, they know what's good. They know what's bad. They know where daddy got the good bike from. And, Anyone that's afraid to take their kid mountain biking because they, they think they're going to wreck, you know, obviously you don't take them down a black diamond trail, but it's amazing their instincts. And he makes turns better than I do just, you know, because like you said, they don't have those inhibitions yet. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to break my neck or this and that. And, and just subconsciously I get held back and it's like learning how to walk. These kids, man, get them started early. It's crazy. Even at seven, how much they know how good their instincts are. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. You know, <clears throat> I, I'm always happy that my parents didn't put any limits on what we can do. As a matter of fact, you know, my parents were the type of parents who said, you could be president of the United States one day if you wanted to. And I was like, well, who wants that job? <laughs> but, you know, um, even as a young kid, I knew I didn't want that job. Um, but there is a lot to be said for that, you know, of, of when you're a kid and knowing what you want and how you want it and the whole thing. And you know, I don't think we give kids enough credit for letting them make their own decisions. Um, you know, we talked about this in my podcast, the way parents now are pushing their kids in a direction, you know, mm-hmm. um, and pushing their kids in a direction of, you know, tennis or, right. or baseball or football or basketball. And they, they're playing that sport year round and the kid never gets to really experience everything, uh, you know, um, there's an example. God, I wish I could remember the little girl's name. Uh, maybe you can look it up while we're doing this. Okay. Um, she won the gold medal in, um, in rifle shooting at the last Olympics. She was an American. She won the first medal of the Olympic Games. Um, she was like 17 or 18. And uh, of course, we didn't, we didn't show a lot of that because, hey, it was a, it was a gun that won the first gold medal for the United States. And uh, we barely covered her and that. 
because, you know, in this country, for some reason, we were opposed to guns, even though everyone can own one. Would it be Ginny, um, Ginny Thrasher? Jenny Thrasher. Thank you. Girl still has braces or something. She's like 17 or 18. Crazy. She became a crack shot. And by the way, folks, if you don't know, go look up what did she win it with the 22 or the 177 uh, air rifle? I can't remember which 10 meter air rifle, 10 meter air rifle. So basically a BB gun. That's right. We have BB guns in the Olympics. Um, uh, can you see me uh, in your in your uh, camera there? Yes, I can. Um, can you see? I probably have an air rifle. I can't see. Right me behind here. you, there is a rifle right by your yoga that, mat. Yeah, yeah, that's an Olympic style. Let me see if I can. That's an Olympic style air rifle you're looking at back there. Awesome. Um, that that's the world's biggest BB gun, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's um. There you are. Now I have you in my sights again. Um, th- that's that's what she won an Olympic medal with. The way she figured out she wanted to learn how to shoot, I think she, like years earlier, she was like 12 or 13, her dad took her deer hunting. And she, she uh, brought a deer down on her first hunt. She didn't really even know how to shoot a rifle. And she aimed the rifle correctly and brought a deer down. Wow. And... That day they went, wait a minute, this kid who's never really handled a gun, you know, something, it, sometimes it takes people years to get, to get a deer. Yep. You, you don't get a deer on day one, you know, and she did. And she just, she wasn't really interested in killing animals, right? but she was interested in shooting a gun and doing it very accurately. And within four years, she taught herself with a BB gun to be the most accurate, you know, I say BB gun. Look, these rifles are highly technical. Yes. The one sitting behind me, the way it sits is probably worth twenty five hundred dollars. Wow! And those things, like the ones you would actually use in competition, are like five thousand dollars. So we're talking about a really expensive pellet gun, a yeah. really expensive BB gun, right? And uh, you know, these things. Yeah, this is a girl. She didn't have to go out there and and shoot real, you know, like live ammunition, not powdered ammunition. You know, just an air rifle. She was able to become the best in the world because that was something she could afford. She could get, she could maybe even practice in the house, you know, because I shoot mine in the house. You know, I have a 10 meter range. I use the hallway and I use Tallulah's bedroom and there's a target in there and awesome. uh, I practice right in the house, you know, and you can do that kind of thing. You can become the best in the world at something. And I don't think people realize that often enough. No. And like you said, I, I, I'm around these parents, you know, with the traveling teams. And, you know, I always told my son this too. And, and now it's starting to show. I go, don't get caught up in what middle school athletes are doing because A, you know, when everybody hits puberty, all bets are off. And B, we'll see if these kids are still playing in high school. And, you know, the thing we don't, we didn't talk about is these kids having Tommy John surgery, you know, shoulder surgeries, knee surgeries. It crazy, crazy young ages where they have to drill into their growth plates. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Tommy John surgeries. Um, uh, that surgery is usually um, pitchers get it because they, they end up having tendonitis and problems. And there's a surgery called Tommy John surgery that corrects it and in some cases makes the arm better than it was originally. Yeah. To, to then pitch a baseball. 
And I started hearing this a couple of years ago that parents are getting Tommy John surgeries done electively. Oh, my gosh. When the kids are 12 and 13 years old. Because they think their kids are going to be great fucking athletes one day. No. So they're electively getting Tommy John surgery. Can you imagine? No. Knocking your kid out. <laughs> you know, I mean, every time you knock someone out for a surgery, yeah, takes you're a taking bit. a chance on brain damage or death. Yeah. They're yeah. doing this electively. Well, I actually had this conversation with, uh, he coached college basketball for 30 years. He's a friend of mine. And I'm like, so, uh, how did you have college athletes back then without all the traveling teams and, and this and that? And he, he just, you know, he went off on a tangent too. He's like, he's like, I, I can't stand these things. You know, they're not making these kids any better. They're, they're making them hate sports. Um, you know, I don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's one or two that come out of there and they do great and they have, you know, private tutors and this and that. And, and but you're, who the hell as a kid wants to sit? And do nothing except for play games and practice and, you know, not swim and, and ride your bike or do whatever kids do. Like, do the things I got to do as a kid. I would hate that. And I would probably resent my parents if that was the kind of thing I grew up in, being forced to do that. I, I was watching uh, Real Sports last month where they were talking about these parents who literally, they travel around. <clears throat> this is all they do. They just yeah. travel with the kids, like, every weekend. And I'm looking at that going, my God. Well, you know, you know, when I was a kid, I played football. Football was the sport I ended up <clears throat> getting a scholarship in. But the story most people don't know is I was a better baseball player. Oh, wow. And uh, I ended up hurting my shoulder for the first time when I was 14 uh, playing football, which I lost my my rifle. I, I lost the strong arm that would have made me a really good center fielder. And um, although I played baseball through high school, I knew that my baseball career was limited because I was already having trouble throwing the ball because my shoulder got worse. But because I got injured doing that, I was able to play football with that injury, you know, because I don't need to throw a ball. Right. I just need to tackle the guy with the ball um, and became a better football player. Uh, but I also played basketball. I also ran track and did track and field. Um, I was my team's um, uh, I was one of the legs on, on the um, uh, the mile relay. I was also a leg on, on the uh, 400, which we call the 440 back then. It was done in yards. But I also went to state in discus uh, and went to uh, regionals in shot put. Now, I wasn't a very big guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But learning all those skills, all those track and field skills, playing basketball, playing baseball, um, I also learned tumbling through a PE teacher who, you know, taught you how to fall correctly when you fall in football. You know, there's ways right. of falling where you don't flop and hit the ground as hard. Uh, you know, um, it, there's a lot of things you learn along the way. And I think these kids are missing these important skills because they're, they're not doing all the sports. You know, people, thought I was much faster than I was in football because I was able to catch the guy with the ball. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? When, when you look at a guy in the open field and you have to run him down, you have to take an angle. Your eye has to split in a split second, figure out which angle you're going to take to try to get to that guy yeah. as he's running down the field. You also use that split second timing in baseball when you're trying to rifle a ball from center field to third base. You're trying to guess where that third baseman is going to be to be able to tag that guy. 
you're using that same eye-hand coordination skill as you're using to make that angle on that football player. By the way, when you're rabbit hunting or bird hunting and you're trying to lead a bird, you're leading that bird. You're not shooting at the bird. Right. You're shooting at a ghost as to where that bird's going to be. Whenever you start running at that football player, you're not running at him. You're running at where he's going to be. Yeah. All of these skills from hunting to baseball, it all matters. It all matters. And people never think of that. No, they don't. And we were talking about this, something similar with my dad. My son plays football. He's 15. He's not the biggest kid. Let's say he's 5'5", 140 at best. Not a, not a huge kid, but he blocks for the quarterback. He's on the line. And yeah. But he can get low. He, I don't know how to explain it. He makes holes. He makes holes for the, yeah. you know, the running backs and whatnot. And my dad and I were watching him. He goes, he didn't hit that guy very hard. I go, nope, but he made the hole. He's efficient. He knows what he's doing. He knows, you know, he does just what he needs to do to make that hole. He doesn't overcommit. You know, these are things you can't teach. You know, I mean, you can teach, but, you know, I, I told him a long time ago because he wanted to do the glory things. He, he wanted to run the ball. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to receive or throw. And I'm like, that's not your strong suit. You can practice all you want, but go where your coach thinks you should go. Be the best at it and work hard. Don't mouth off. And, you know, when it's little kid ball, it's a little different. They, they, they put the biggest kids wherever. They put the most, you know, what they think at the time and the most athletic kids wherever. And he's just now starting to see that. You know, those same kids are still the ones that are mouthing off and ride the bench. Yeah. And, you know, it takes some kids will never learn that. And good luck in life because, mm -hmm. you know, you will never get anywhere in life no. unless you, you know, I, I was listening to your show yesterday um, because I saw on Twitter that I was mentioned on the show. Yes, you were. So uh, I thought I would listen. And, um, my buddy Gary uh, Patrick Smith was on from the Adam Carolla show, and um, I was shocked that it was Gary's interview, and then you guys spent 20 minutes talking about me, which is <laughs> – I don't know if you know anything about podcasting, Aaron, but you might want to correct that. I'm an amateur. I, I tell everyone. Yeah, um, and uh, I appreciate you know you guys talking about me and the whole thing, but you know what Gary was saying, and folks, you guys should go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. He Gary was talking about how he got the job at the Adam Carolla show. That's right. Um, he literally became a fan, started listening, and then went to an event and asked if he can have uh, – and, and I didn't know this story. I heard it on your show. said, hey, I would like to um, send you guys my resume. And the guy gave him an email address. And then Gary goes, great, I will write to that email address. But yep. And he flips out a resume that he had there at the show. Yep. The guy looks at the resume and looks at Gary and goes, okay, here's the real email address. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I don't know if people caught that, but yeah. you know, in life, that's what it takes a lot of times. You know, and, and look, I've, I've known Gary now for two years since I started doing that show. Gary is an efficient, hardworking guy. He, he just is, you know, and, uh, you know, I know people, you know, you hear whenever you listen to the, I hear the shows when I'm on them, you know, Adam will, God, Gary, give me a better, you know, get, put yeah. some head on that. You know, you know, you do. And he does that and it's part of a bit. Yep. But Gary runs that operation. He runs that show. You know, he, he's the head of the snake. He's the one that makes that show work. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, it was really cool how I met. It's a small world. Like, he's a fan of one of my other Twitter accounts, and he, I just started chatting with him. And then I told him about my podcasting group, Podcasting Made Simple. And he's like, oh, that's a really good thing you're doing. You know, these people think they need to spend thousands of dollars to be able to podcast. And he, uh, he is just a super nice guy, super hard worker. Um, he, he, you know, he was just, he was a pleasure to have on. He had, like you said, there's so much I didn't know. I mean, he was just willing to just go behind the scenes of the Adam Carolla podcast. So now, now we're doing a podcast and we're talking about Gary Smith. See, right. Yeah. As he deserves to be talked yes. about yes. because, yes. you know, he, he's that kind of guy, you know, I've used him, um, on some of my live shows. That's right. Um, whenever it's in a comedy club and it's near, you know, you know, give him a couple hundred bucks, Gary, come on out and help me. And I can be talking about something, just anything, because he doesn't know what I'm going to talk about when I walk up there. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. Yep. And I'll just start talking and I'll say something. I, I pulled out a name in a show, um, about four or five shows ago. <laughs> you know, I, I'm up on stage. And I mentioned this this woman's name, Leslie Carday. And I was talking about Leslie Carday. She was just a local news reporter down in New Orleans back in 1985. And I was talking how she did a health and science report. She was the health and science reporter for the NBC affiliate down in New Orleans. And I'm telling the story. And all of a sudden, the audience, you know, kind of goes, ooh. And, I'm like, <laughs> what? and I turned around. And on the big screen behind me, he had found Leslie fucking Carday. That's awesome. It's like, oh my god, look, it's, it's, look at that, look at things like that where you just go, how does he do that in real time? Well, you know, he he touched on that too, and you know, I asked him about podcasting advice, but this applies to everything. I'm like, you know, what advice would you give people about podcasting? And really, this is about everything. He said, get your reps in, practice, 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 and and that's how he did that in real time. You know, I mean. Practice, practice, practice. And I think when Gary was talking about what he was doing, you know, trying to get on with Corolla Digital, he's not thinking about what's going to happen today. You know, he's he is planning for what's going to happen tomorrow and his future. Yeah. Yeah. And he's right about, you know, the, the podcasting thing. People, you know, we, uh, you know, my podcast is fairly successful, I think, by the stretch of how podcasts are measured. Yeah. Um, and people take me out to lunch all the time, coffee, you know, they'll, they'll call and set up a consult with me and they'll say, how, how do I have a successful podcast? And I'll say just, they're pretty much free to do, right? You know, anyone can do a podcast doesn't, you know, I don't use any special equipment. I, you know, I just do mine sitting at my desk and have been doing it like this the whole time except for the first year or so where I went to Anna's studio and we did them there and they'll say yeah 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 but how do you make them what's the trick how do you make them popular and i don't have an answer uh, i don't think anyone i don't think adam carolla has an answer mm-hmm. um you know you could say well adam was a big deal and he you know he and dr drew were a big deal before that and he was on television and he and kemmel okay that'll get people to come in for a while yeah but he's been doing it for like 8 years you know, you can't keep an eight-year career going on that if if you're just screwing around. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely it makes sense. And, you know, we talked about this too. There's so many nuances, and that's, that's really why I wanted to talk to Gary. And, you know, we're back to that again. But there are nuances to it being a success, you know, and it's their own thing. You know, the the drops – 
the guests, you know, how long they're on, and the download size even. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know anything about the download size or anything. Right. Other people do that. I, I don't know how any of that works. Right. Uh, and that's the other thing. People, they think I'm lying when I say I don't really know how to turn the computer on, but <laughs> I don't. Uh, I've never concerned myself with uh, size detail. I don't know. I record into this little uh, board, this little Zoom thing, and then I send it off and someone magically puts it up for me. Nice. And uh, that's how it works for me. Um, I I could not put one up if my life depended on it. Um, I would just say, shoot me, I can't, I can't do it. I don't know how. I've never learned that skill. Um, my skill is to talk into the mic and say something stupid, and people go, oh, okay, uh, I will now listen. I, you know, um, there are people out there with technical skills beyond beyond, oh, yet yeah. they can't get five listeners. No, it's, you know, it's you did the right thing. You know, you obviously you put people around you that could do that sort of thing. But for anyone that thinks it's easy to just talk into a mic and be interesting, try it, please. You know, it, it's it is a skill and that is something that you have accumulated throughout your whole life. You know, being, you know, I guess, I guess just doing everything you do. You sold cars for a while. Is that right? I did in college. Um, I sold cars um, and I was um, I can brag about that. I was uh, the best. Yeah. Uh, month in and month out because car salesmen, they, they rank them at the dealership. And, um, the first month I, 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 you know, I, I'm a car lover. You know, I only kind of knew about American muscle cars and <clears throat> I, like every other guy, I knew what was in a Ferrari 308 and that kind of thing back in the day. Uh, but I walked on, I needed a summer job. I needed to make a lot of money. I was told that cars is is a route to making a lot of money if you hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend had a connection at a Toyota dealership. I walked in, and they said, okay, tomorrow we will put you on the lot uh, selling cars, so you need to walk around the lot and figure out, you know, look at the cars, learn all the names of our cars. At the time, Toyota sold uh, at the top end of the range. It was something called a Cressida. Oh, wow. I'm talking 1984. 83, 84, they sold a Corona, which I think the Corona became the uh, um, the Camry. Right. But it was a Corona. So a Cressida, a Corona, a Corolla, and a Celica. And other than that, and a Tercel, and they had a truck. Right. Um, a little small. It was called the SR5. I have an um, SR5. Be- <laughs> you, did you? I, I still do. It's 2006 SR5. I can't get rid of the thing. I love it. Back then, they were very simple little trucks. So I walked around a lot, and I, I took a piece of paper and wrote down every name, and I opened the hoods of everything. And I noticed that only the Cressida and the um, and the, the, the big-time Celica Supra had this kind of six-cylinder, different kind of engine, this really high-revved engine. But most of the cars, uh, all the 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 coronas and corollas and also the i want to say the trucks all had an engine and on the front there was a stamp that said 22r it was just 22r and it was a big stamp and um i went huh this must be their most popular engine because they put it in almost everything um so i would tell people things like they would come on a lot and i would say 
uh, this Corolla has the 22R engine in it. Mm-hmm. And they would go, well, what does that mean? I went, oh, it's a powerful engine. They also put it in their truck. Right? Right. That's not a lie. It was in the truck. It was a four-cylinder engine made out of aluminum. They put it in everything. Yep. And then I started hearing people come in saying, I want another car. You know, I've had this Toyota for 12 years. It's gone through down the hands of my family. Mm-hmm. We've never changed the oil in it. <laughs> We've got 300,000 miles on it, never even changed the oil. And everyone telling me these crazy stories about how strong these cars are. Yeah. And every time I opened the hood, it was a 22R engine. So it came in my mind that the 22R engines are really good. 300,000 miles. An American car back then couldn't get 40,000 miles, oh, yeah. right? So 300,000. So the only other cars I knew that you could get those kind of miles on were like, you know, like a Mercedes or a um, uh, or a, uh, a Rolls Royce and these diesel engines that could go copious amounts of miles, right? So I made up a little lie. I, I started telling people, this is the second most powerful engine, uh, the strongest engine in the world, the most reliable engine, the the second most. And people would say, well, what's the most reliable? And I would go, a Mercedes diesel. Yeah. You know, and they're not shopping for Mercedes. They're shopping for a Corolla, right? So yep. I knew they weren't going to go, well, I better go over to that Mercedes dealership and spend a lot of money on a diesel Mercedes. They were shopping for my car, and I knew they would buy my car if I said it was the second most. Because I wasn't really lying. I had right. proof. People were bringing them in with 300,000 miles on them with no oil changes. You know, it's it's crazy talk. It is crazy talk. I mean, I have 160,000 on mine. I'm not going to get rid of it. My son wants it when he turns 16, but I'm like, yeah, son, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get buried in it. So, um, it, there are so many nuances <laughs> to that story, and I know you have a hard out coming up. I, I, you know, I do, I do. In I, three minutes, actually. Oh my gosh. I gotta be on the phone. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, hey, uh, thanks again for coming back on. Uh, thanks again for all the help you give me in a couple or the last couple of years, and and thanks for having me your on your podcast as well. Well, I, you know, I love having you on. You're welcome whenever you'd like to come on. Right. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job over there. And Thank uh, thanks for having me on. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to get off your chest before you get out of here? No, I, I just I, – I, I'm glad you told me about the heart out because oh, shit. <laughs> I got to be on the phone at 11 o'clock straight up. Yeah, I've been trying so to watch rock the and roll. All right, buddy. Hey, I, I'll let you go. I hope I talk to you again soon. You will. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, <laughs> Vinny had a heart out. That That's great. I've never got to say that to anyone before. That means he has somewhere he has to be in, oh, I guess two minutes. So I'm glad I reminded him of that. But, uh, what another great show. I hope y'all got something out of that. For any NSNG, go to VinnyTortorich.com. You can follow him on Twitter at VinnyTortorich and buy his book. Fitness Confidential, but go through his website and click on the Amazon banner first so you can put a little coal in the fire and help his train get down the track. Until next time, Shalom. Please remember to support the podcast by visiting the affiliate links on AaronSaysWhat.com.
Are you looking for a permanent home for your podcast? Spreaker can do it all. Spreaker will give you your own RSS feed that you can submit to other platforms, including iTunes. Spreaker's mobile app lets you record from your smartphone, or you can use their web-based console with everything you need to record. Their podcasting plans include being able to host multiple podcasts, no extra charge. Have a YouTube channel? Spreaker has that covered. Effortlessly upload your podcast audio to your channel. You can even move your current podcasts to Spreaker without losing your current iTunes subscribers. Try any plan for free for 30 days using promo code ASW.